Here on Shin Music, we will talk about Pablo Lopez. We'll talk about the bullpen. We'll talk about the Twins' promise, their new lineup, the fact that Rocco took my suggestion and put Kepler in the leadoff spot, as he always does. But I'm going to start with a mini rant today, and I'll let you gentlemen react to it however you like. As everybody knows, we don't script anything on these shows. That's one of the reasons I started this network. I didn't like uh, the, the kind of scripted debates you see on so many talk shows. They win the opener 2-0. We're talking here on Friday afternoon. They win the opener 2-0. Uh, Lopez looks great. They pull him after five and a third innings. The bullpen is rested and has a day off on th- Friday, so Rocco uses a bunch of relievers. They all pitch well. They win a, a, a close game. Kind of pitch. They pr- kind of put together the kind of game we envision them putting together if this is going to be a good team. And what do we see on social media and hear from fans? How could Rocco pull him after five and a third innings? Uh, and I have a few different reactions to that. Number one, it's March. It was March 30th. Okay. We know that they ramp pitchers up. We know that they're not going to pitch their longest outings early in the season coming off spring training where they don't get that much work in. Uh, number two, the bullpen's rested. I think Rocco wanted to get a lot of people out there early knowing he had Friday off. Uh, I think that was kind of scripted. Uh, number three, and this is where maybe we'll start with Roy today for a reaction since Roy, you know, is considered somewhat of a traditionalist because he played baseball for a long time and, uh, you know, and likes certain old fashioned aspects of the game. Although he also likes uh, the pitch clock and uh, robot up. So he's not like an old, too old school uh, 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 thinker. Roy, one thing I've noticed and to get away from the analytics versus old school uh, argument here. Whenever I've talked to really good hitters, Tony Oliva, Justin Morneau, Joe Maurer, Chuck Knobloch, Paul Maud, or whatever, one thing that they've all said, and I'm guessing you felt the same way, is if I have to face the best pitcher in the league, but I get to see him four or five times, I'm going to get him. He's going to be a little t- more tired by the time I get there. I'm going to have had a, had a very good look at him. I'm going to have seen all of his pitches, and I'm going to have a chance to get him. You know, there is that aspect of this argument about pitchers pitching deeper into games. It's supported by statistics that most major league pitchers don't get through the third time of the order very well. There is actually a real basis for pulling a pitcher early. I don't want to see him pull that five and a third every time. I want to see him get into seventh or whatever. But there is a basis for this thinking. What do you think? There's no question that there is. There's the... the <laughs> What you just mentioned about what all good hitters would say, and, and Tony was the best. You know, Tony said, I, I liked it when uh, Palmer and Catfish Hunter and those guys started. I looked up and said, well, why? And he said, because I knew they were going to be in the game the whole game, and by the third or fourth time, I was going to get them. <laughs> Only a hitter of Tony's caliber can really say with that much confidence. But that fact that all hitters feel that way, uh, all good hitters especially, feel that way, it plays right into why, just as what, what you're saying, that's why it's tough for pitching to do the lineup the third time uh, here in, in uh, recent history. And, and, I mean, those two things go, go hand in hand. And it, it's, it's absolutely justified that a manager ought to look at what are my – what are my chances? What are my odds? They're playing percentages. And the good managers, even without analytics, have an idea about percentages. And I can tell you that for certain because I played for Gene Mock and Billy Martin and Tony La Russa. And with, with or without analytics, those guys had in their brains, they had ideas about what gave them their best chance of success 
whether it was the starting lineup or or how they uh, substituted pitchers and players throughout the game, and depending on matchups and, and the like. So there's it, it, um, any manager is going to say, what are my odds right now? <clears throat> what are the best percent? What's my best percentage chance? I think this is a big part of the ball game. What do I think about this? I mean, and um, I think your first two points were uh, r- really solid. I don't see any reason why uh, any of the starters, they just force them, to, as good as Lopez was, just force them to go six innings because that's a arbitrary number. I mean, you know, they got to go six. Well, no, maybe the first time out on March 30th, they don't have to go six. He, he pitched out of trouble. He pitched stress. Uh, he pitched great. It was, it, from, it was in the third time around through the, the order. He's got a really good bullpen uh, that they've put together and an off day the next day. I, I, I just don't see anything wrong with that at all. Lavelle? Uh, Jim, you know, I don't know what part of social media you're, you're monitoring, but, you know, uh, being, having my Twitter account, I've worked hard through the years to educate my followers on the proper way to assess baseball. And there's no way possible that someone would go on Twitter and complain about Rocco taking the picture out too early. You're right. It, it just, you're right. It just, it doesn't happen. It never has happened. It never will happen. You're absolutely right. It's, these Twitter's a rational place. I, I have, I have developed and, and tutored and taught my, my followers to, to look at the game the, the way it should be looked at. Uh, not from some stupid hot mess fanboy. Uh, who wants to pretend he's a GM bot uh, in the basement of his house? So, but no, um, we go through this every year. If I'm not mistaken, Jim, I think you wrote a column early last year when uh, people were mad because Clayton Kershaw was, I think, was throwing the no hitter. Right. And it was his first outing, and he has a history of injuries. And he was coming uh, off surgery. Right. And, uh, but they pulled him, and yep. people went bananas. Well, you know, that's not fair to us. We deserve this moment. And they're like, okay, what about the moment that Kershaw throws out his elbow because he was overworked too early in the season? That has to be taken into consideration. Everybody should know right now, the first two months of the, months of the season, you're, building picture, you're, you're still building on, um, on endurance. And then middle of the season, you're letting these guys go. And then you taper down the last six weeks of the season or so. I mean, that's the way it's standard operating procedure for, for handling starting pitches early in the year. And – the other thing, too, a manager spends too much time getting the team ready for uh, it through spring training. They go into the regular season and start, like, not using people. You know, he wants to keep using people because they've just gone through camp for six weeks and uh, played a bunch of games, and they're probably still in, in the progression as well in terms of being sharp, in terms of having the timing down. Uh, so, you, you, you know, people like TK make sure to use up his entire roster as early in the season as possible so guys, you know, just wouldn't go from – playing or working out every day to not doing anything. So, I mean, that's another reason for how, you know, these early season games are managed. So um, it would have been nice to see uh, Lopez go deeper in the game. But you know what? He's going to get many opportunities to, especially if he pitches the way he did yesterday. This is Chin Music. This is our baseball show at TalkNorth.com. You know the lineup. We have Russo, LaPanta on hockey. We have Krasinski on the Timberwolves. We have Krasinski, myself on the Vikings. We have Jeff Diamond on the Vikings. John Malay on preps. Uh, Mike Grimm on the Gophers. 
Joe Anderson and Dave Lee doing variety shows, tons of outdoor content, tons of other hockey content. Check it all out at TalkNorth.com. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. We're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studios. Thanks to Aquarius and thanks to TSR Injury Law, 612-TSR-TIME. Best way to listen to this show or any show you like at the network, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's easy. And we do appreciate you hanging around and listening to us rant. Uh, So we, we might come back to this topic later or later in the season, but let's get on to the other cool stuff we saw on Thursday. Number one, pace of play, two hours and 32 minutes. And I loved it. I just loved the fact that I wasn't, because you know, I'm the kind of person I have, I know I have ADD. It's, it's just a fact. And if you give me 30, 40 seconds between pitches, I'm going to look at my phone or I'm going to look at my iPad or I'm going to read a book or something. The pace of play kept me engaged, made me feel like if I looked away, I might miss something. I loved it. Uh, let's start with Lavelle on this topic. You know, I, I'm a big fan of the, of the, uh, of the pitch clock. Um, they are still working out some kinks. There was a weird situation with the Mets game um, on Thursday in which Jeff McNeil was at the plate and Pete Alonso was at first base. And the umpires decided that Pete Alonso was taking his sweet-ass time to get back to first base after a pitch was thrown. So they gave Jeff McNeil a strike, which McNeil was like, you got to be kidding me. I had nothing to do with this. you know. But the umpires were, were trying to make a point with Alonzo and penalize the teammate, which I thought was weird. So we're working through some of those issues still. But, man, and there's there's like a rhythm like to these games, and there's like a cadence. And um, it's not, you know, stoppage. Uh, there's not lengthy stoppages for whatever or – to watch a batter, you know, reset himself in the box or a pitcher to walk around the mound. And I, I just love the pace of the uh, of the game. And I think it's something that, you know, it's not taking hitters or pitchers very long to adapt to. So um, this is really impactful. Um, when people can know they can get out of a ballpark in two and a half hours, I think that is a game changer for, for some fans. And, um, and I've said this before, uh, sitting in the press box, you know, it, it would – the twins could be blowing someone out. It could be a tie game, but at 10 o'clock on a night, a weekday night game, you know, you see a bunch of fans get up and leave because it's like, it's 10 o'clock. Kids got to go to school tomorrow. We're out of here. And now you got a seven o'clock game. It has a chance of getting done at nine 30 and that's going to keep people in the stands, you know, for nine innings. And that's, that's a good thing. I know the conspiracy theory is, is that, um, Teams are not happy because, you know, people aren't at the ballpark long, longer to spend money on concessions, you know, but just I think drink they, faster. Yeah. I think there's value to how the game is played right now. And people knowing they can come to the ballpark and get out before 10 o'clock. And just think about those, those six o'clock weekday games uh, before, uh, before school lets out. Those can be done by 830. That's remarkable. I mean, for a beat writer, it's heaven. I saw all this happen during spring training. I was like, this is going to be great if it carries into the regular season. And it looks like it will. Well, you know, I got to say, um, I've been correctly identified as an old school dude here, I guess, um, once again. But uh, the the thing that I've always said about baseball, one of the things that I love best about baseball has been the rhythm of the game and uh, the, the the relaxed nature of sitting in the stands and, and watching the rhythm of a, of a baseball game. And I must say that the rhythm of that baseball game yesterday was fantastic. Um, and it wasn't just because it was quicker, although I agree with everything LaBelle has said, 
the rhythm of the game idea was not altered, not challenged, not uh, hurt in any way by the fact that uh, pitchers needed to throw the uh, pitch in 15 or 20 seconds and the hitters needed to stay in the box except for one timeout per at bat. It established a new rhythm for the game of baseball that's also also good. And, uh, oh, by the way, it's a uh, wonderful uh, time frame now as well. So I, I have no complaints at all. I think it's terrific. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, let's talk a little bit ba- a little baseball here. Uh, Pablo Lopez, 96-mile-an-hour fastball with movement, 89-mile-an-hour changeup, very effective, especially the lefties. And what they are saying might make him an even better pitcher using that slider or breaking pitch, whatever the heck you want to call it. A lot of people are calling it a sweeper. And it, it it's making him much tougher to hit, uh, adding, adding variety, adding change of speed, uh, attacking right-handed pitchers. And I find it very interesting that they named him the opening day starter and that Buxton in the post-game interview on Bally just called him, hey, that's why he's our ace. It's like everybody is on the same page when they look at this guy. When I was in camp, I was just impressed by size, uh, personality, stuff, composure. He just looks like that kind of a guy. Uh, what are your impressions, Roy? Uh, all of the above, absolutely. And and I'll just I, I just uh, kind of modify uh, a little bit what you said about yeah. his stuff. You know, fastball. Um, he attacked to right-hand hitters inside. I love seeing that. He pitched inside a bit to left-handers. Changeup wheat is well advertised and as as good as advertised. The slider sweeper uh, distinction really is just about. Well, it's about mainly about speed. Uh, of course, the mm-hmm. the, the sweep, little bit bigger break, but he threw, he showed a great tight slider. And then the sweeper looks like slider is just it's a little bit bigger and a little bit slower. So whether you want to say he has, you know, two sliders or this is a whole different pitch or, or whatever, um, I, I just I I loved his stuff. I loved his composure. I loved uh, how he um, competed. Uh, everything about it was uh, was was really fun to watch. Yeah, you know. Um... Uh, the Twins are really giddy when they made the trade when they sent a rise to the to the Marlins for Lopez and a couple of prospects. I mean, they they thought that he was a one A type starter, and um, he kind of showed that against Kansas City, you know. But you know, reading more about him and uh, talking to some people who know him, you know, uh, he he has a great attention to detail. He wants to be a perfectionist. Um, he's a student of the game, you know. Uh, he's going to use every tool available you know, electronic or verbal or whatever to, you know, try to pitch the best way he can every five days. And um, it's going to be really impressive to see him uh, operate this year um, as he kind of joins a new club. I mean, you go to, you talk about the, the Marlins and, you know, Sandy Alcantara is a guy that everybody keeps talking about there being the ace, being one of the dominant pitchers in the game. You know, maybe Lopez stepping out of that shadow a little bit can prove that he deserves that type of accolade as well. I just uh, like the fact that he's not afraid to pitch inside and he's got to change up. He He's kind of like Brad Racky, but he strikes out more better than Brad, um, but still has like the nasty changeup. And it's going to be fun watching the pitch. 
Well, and he throws 96 where Brad, you know, touched 90. So there's a big yeah. difference in that. And listen, Brad was a good pitcher. I'm not downgrading Brad, but this is a different animal we're talking about here. All right, let's 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 get – I have more I want to talk about with Lopez, that deal, uh, the lineup. Let's first, though, let you know we are coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services studios, and we want to thank Aquarius Home Services. Is winter ending? Spring coming? It's a toss-up. But at Aquarius Home Services, we know your furnace has been working hard, and we know warm weather will come. That means it's the perfect time to take care of any furnace or air conditioner concerns. At Aquarius, our goal is earning the right to be recommended, and that starts by providing amazing professional service and no surprise upfront pricing. And that includes $98 off any furnace or air conditioner repair. Visit us today at AquariusHomeServices.com. We also want to tell you about all energy solar the website to remember all energy slash coach c-o-a-c-h all energy slash coach all energy solar is delivering quality solar installations for home and businesses since 2009 you can get a free quote at that website you want to be more green this year solar energy can help once again go to all energy slash coach the electrical grid has limited space for renewable energy so beat the rush and plan your solar installation soon once again allenergysolar.com slash coach for a free site assessment and solar with energy storage can provide peace of mind during winter storms read their ebook on energy storage plus solar at allenergysolar.com slash battery. So go to allenergysolar.com. You'll get everything you need to know about going solar. Uh, the other thing about the Lopez deal, and listen, I don't, I, I don't mind this time of year expressing some optimism, getting out over my skis. I know that a million different things could happen. Uh, injuries could happen, whatever. But I look at it this way. If they really got their number one starter and two excellent prospects by trading a wonderful player, but a player of, you know, limited range, let's say, in mm-hmm. Arise. I mean, Arise could go win five batting titles, and I would still think this is a good deal. You, you just, you can't, it's so hard to get great young under control pitching that if you get a chance to do it, you have to do it. Right. Well, I, I love the trade as soon as it was made. Um, yeah. And I like it even better. Uh, when Derek Falvey told me, hey, these two prospects, I really think they're I mean, and that, and, and I talked with him at Twins Fest, and I said, well, that's the, that's the whole metric of the, of the trade, isn't it? I mean, you, you probably would have traded um, a rise even up for a guy of, of Lopez caliber. And so it's a, it's a good trade. It's a phenomenal trade if either one, or clearly both, of the prospects become uh, major league players. So I, I thought the trade was, you absolutely get it done to your point about batting titles. There are batting titles and there is, you know, there, there's offensive production and, um, and where a guy's going to play defensively and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's, it, <clears throat> batting titles are, are great and they're great for the player. They're, they're great uh, all the way around. I, I think anybody who wins a batting title is extra, extra special. But from a twin standpoint, uh, for a potential batting title winner with limited damage in terms of home runs and RBIs, uh, and, and you get uh, the, the the folks back in the trade that you that you did, um, I, I just thought it was it, it was a really good trade, and it may may turn out to be a you know a wonderful a wonderful trade. Um, and just about uh, optimism, you know, what quickly. 
Uh, I feel the same way. But the, the, you know, Kansas City's not the the Astros lineup. Right. It's not the Yankee lineup. I mean, it, it, it's not going to it's not going to go that uh, that well every time, obviously. But this guy's the real deal. He's got real stuff, and I think he knows how to use it. And he's going to be the ace of the staff. Well, you know, my take on this, it's been rather interesting how the Twins have been able to put together a rotation uh, with, with Lopez heading it and what it's cost them because you got to give them credit for at least having prospects that people thought highly enough to accept them because they traded for the whole rotation. Um, Brostar Gratteroff to the Dodgers for Kenta Maeda and Spencer Steele and, and Strand and Canalcion for Mount Molly, um, Arias for Pablo Lopez. Uh, we sent a high school kid throws a, a Chase Petty, I think his name is, throws 100 miles an hour for Sonny Gray, and I, I'm missing the one other. I'm missing one other guy. Who? Which guy? Oh, Joe Ryan. They traded for Joe Ryan as well. Oh, a half season of Nelson Cruz yep. for all of Joe Ryan. Yep. Um, you know, and even uh, Taylor Rogers for, for Chris Paddock. I mean, I, a trade I disagreed with. You know, especially uh, now that he's had a second Tommy John surgery. But they weren't going to bring Rogers back anyway. So and they, they traded for Duran. Yes, that's right. That's right. That's exactly right. And so they they've been able to you know have players that other teams wanted to order in order to put this rotation together. And I probably need to do a study on this, but I got to see how many teams in baseball have homegrown starters in a rotation. I think the number is smaller than we think, and it reflects how hard it is to get the guys through a farm system and into the majors and to be effective once they get there. But, uh, you know, the Twins have figured out a way to put together a capable rotation. And uh, getting someone like Pablo Lopez is, could be the icing on the cake. Uh, lineup, uh, I suggested early in camp that maybe maybe Rocco would bat Kepler leadoff just to kind of settle his mind and just have give him a very simple assignment. Just take a good at bat, start the game. Uh, I didn't actually think he'd do it, but he's doing it. And uh, I don't know, uh, Roy, do you, do you like the look? Do you like what it could accomplish or should somebody else be about to lead off? I don't think, it, I mean, I think I liked the lineup uh, yesterday. Um, I think they're not uh, without a, you know, bona fide leadoff hitter um, unless uh, they have someone uh, down, you know, someone's down in the order that where Buck can, can lead off. But uh, Buck's been hitting, uh, you know, Hitting third behind Correa uh, is uh, is pretty good, and so I mean you got to you got to put somebody up there, and and Kepler's you know done it before. We'll have to wait and see. I mean, it, it, he it, there's we've talked about this. There's going to be 87 lineups um, that Rocco uses, uh, different lineups he, he uses this year. So we'll we'll see. But I, you know, I don't have any. You know, I, I mean, I think it's I think it's fine. I it, I think the biggest plus would be. If Kepler likes hitting there and that gets him going, then go ahead and hit him there. I mean, I mean, if he can become the, if he can become a left-handed, you know, Ricky Anderson without the stolen bases, but if he can have that kind of impact, you know, right off the uh, the, the jump when uh, to start a game, um, you know, even if his on-base percentage isn't um, isn't four hundred, I mean, you know, get some get some impact up there. They got to have it's got to be somebody. So uh, if it's not Buck, it's got to be some, you know, somebody. And he's the likeliest candidate, I think. I'd rather see Kepler lead off than Joey Gallo. That idea was yeah. not sitting well with me uh, when Rocco was talking about it. And he tried Gallo there a number of times. And all indications are that Joey Gallo does not want to bat lead off either. <laughs> you know, so, um, yeah, 
put put the guy in a spot where he's going to be a little more happy. I mean, he's going to strike out 175 times. It's hard. It's going to it's going to be hard to hide that in a batting order. You know, I'm guessing Rocco was thinking maybe he could do it at the top of the order, but and while he'll you know draw some walks once in a while, but I don't know. It was funny because I was sitting in the sports book out here and I was telling everybody. I said, "Uh oh, Kepler's leading off. He's going to swing at the first pitch." Because I still remember vividly. I want to say it was 2019. Uh, Twins opened the season in Chicago against the White Sox, and Kepler hit the first pitch of the season uh, out of the park for a home run. And sure enough, he swung at the first pitch from Greenkey and ended up popping out. But uh, it was it was kind of cool to see that come see that come back full circle. So uh, I rather see Kepler bad lead off than some of the other left handed hitting options. It, it's a, it's a line that could be a work in progress during the season, not just because a couple of guys are injured and not available yet. But, you know, a, a guy like Moran, could grow into being the middle of the order hitter. And, you know, Larnick, you know, uh, getting some steady time at the beginning of the year too. Uh, I expect them to be better, you know, as the season goes along uh, than right now. I'm going to ask a philosophical question to end the show. Um, remember, Jock Jones used to bat leadoff for the Twins, and he was kind of like Kepler, kind of the antithesis of a leadoff hitter. He didn't draw walks. He wasn't patient. He swung for the fences. But it felt like he kind of energized that group. He went up there hacking, and for some reason it worked. And, and I'm not saying it's a direct correlation. They won because Jock Jones is batting leadoff. I'm saying that it worked well enough that at least it didn't keep them from winning. Uh, we've heard them talk. You know, we heard him talk last year about how Buxton energized this team. Roy, is energy a real thing, or or is energy just shorthand for the guy? You know, produced enough to, that that he helped the team. You know, I, I, it, it it depends on how you define energy. I, I suppose I'm going to answer yes that there there is an energy, and and sometimes the energy is um, is. Uh, in the form of energy is it's electricity, right? I mean, I, I think Buck uh, brought electricity. I mean, everybody, it was the, the anticipation of something really great about to happen. Um, I think Jock was a little bit like that. Um, and I think as a, uh, as teammates on the bench waiting to hit, you know, watching what the pitchers got, watching a guy go up there and, uh, and, and go to ripping, uh, I think that sets a tone. So uh, electricity, tone, uh, admiration, you know, uh, whatever it is, I think all, you know, add them all up and it, it can be your definition of, uh, of energy. And so, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll go along with that. I'll, I, I, I do like it. What do you think, Laura? I still, I still remember uh, the day that we were finally done with contraction and Guardi had been announced as the manager and uh, I think we all got tired of asking questions about contraction. And I finally said, Gary, let's talk about baseball. What's your batting order going to be like? And he says, I'm going to bat Jock leadoff. And we're like, what? You know, we we're like, no one ever thought that. But as it turned out, um, he ended up earning a nickname 1-0 because they, he had a chance to put the Twins up one nothing in the first inning. And, Jim, I don't know if you remember this, but we were in Kansas City. I remember. Denny, Ho- Denny Hockey's telling us before the game, watch, Jock's going to go deep first yep. at bat. We're like, whatever, Denny, you know. And we were up in the press box, and I think it was the second pitch of the year, second pitch of the game, and Jock just mashes it out to left center for a home run. And Denny Hawking goes up to the top step of the dugout, looks up at the press box, sticks out his arm, is like, I told you so. Yep. You know, um, and it went from there. I just think that I think lineups can feed off a leadoff hitter, and leadoff hitters could be different shapes and sizes. And 
do a different and provide different boost of energy to a team. Um, when they traded for Shannon Stewart, Shannon Stewart gave them great at bats in the layoff spot. And he worked pitchers and it forced that pitcher to, to show the team every, everything he had that day. And they fed off of that. Um, but you have guys like Jock Jones leading off. Uh, Brady Anderson, you know, left with the Orioles. I think the year he had 50, 50 home runs he did as a leadoff hitter. And that's a different way of being able to do something that your teammates could feed off you. So I think there's just different ways that could be achieved. It just And, you know, because you have different sorts of guys who bat leadoff these days. One of the not things the I least lo- of which, you know, not the least of which is that uh, you, in, uh, you don't have a pitcher. You know, you, you've got the lineup turns over and you're back the guys that you want getting the most at bats and we got yep. the most impactful guys. And, and there's going to be a lot of RBI situations for a leadoff hitter now in, in the way that the way the game is. And now, I think I'd like to just throw out there cause I thought it was significant. We haven't talked yeah. about the game yesterday, but I think it's, it was significant enough to, that we need to, we need to you know, look for it. We, um, as the season goes on, uh, one of my favorite things was uh, Rocco you know, went out and got uh, Lopez after five and a third. That was one move that he made. But sixth inning, he pinch hits for Gallo and pinch hits for um, uh, Gordon, I think, with yep. his two new right-hand hitters. Yep. And, uh, and I was thinking to myself, and, and Dick Bremer and Justin Morneau were saying, on, you know, Morneau was saying, and correctly so, he was saying, you know, you have these matchups, and the, the opposing manager said, well, it's a sixth inning. I, I'm going to bring my left-handed reliever in and face these left-handers. There's no way he's going to, you know, pinch hit for him in, in, the, in the sixth inning, right? Well, not only was that wrong, Morocco did, I think, appropriately and smartly, you know, pinch hit. He had a right-hander in there. He's looking at uh, trying to win the game right there, and he's got two things in the back of his mind. He said, if I can just get another run here, then uh, we've got uh, we've got all that bullpen arm, you know, coming in to support. I mean, this is the way we built a team. I just I, I just need another run, and this bullpen's going to you know going to going to shut them down. But the other thing is, getting back to why would you pinch hit in the sixth inning for Joey Gallo? I mean, and, and you're starting guys because these right hand hitters that they got are professional hitters. They walked up there and took terrific uh, at bats. But not only that, they can hit right. So if it does come back, uh, it's it's not like you've got uh, a guy that can only hit against one uh, one, one kind of arm. Uh, these guys are going to take professional bats, and they I mean Farmer drove in seventy some runs last year. I thought yeah. it was a great move by Rocco, but it was also I mean it was easy to say, boy, this set up the game just like you'd think it would with the pitching staff. I think it set up the season just like uh, they were planning to get those two right-hand hitters uh, in the game in situations and, and then let them go out there and play around the infield because they can play, they can play everywhere. I thought, it was, I thought that was significant, and we, we, were gonna, we should look for that all season long. No doubt, and I think it's really interesting. You look at they. Yeah, it was funny. We did a podcast, and I was saying, oh, "Boy, I think they need a backup center fielder." And like the next day, they signed Michael Taylor, and Taylor felt like a nice backup center fielder, right? Not a big deal, but just a nice guy to have your bench. Now he's your starting center fielder while Buxton's DHing. The uh-huh. Solano move. They get Solano. You're like, okay, do they really have room for another infielder? They kind of already had. You know, they already have. Gordon, they already have Farmer, they already have plenty of depth. Well, now you see why they did it. I mean, these guys are going to play a lot, and they're going to make them very versatile. Uh, Taylor's going to 
give them excellent fielding while Buxton's in the DH slot. He's insurance against Buxton getting hurt. Uh, Farmer and and Solano are basically going to be platoon players, and Gordon, you know, is going to be either a starter or a, or a, a a nice super utility player. There's so many years we've seen Twins teams where the bench was just the backup catcher and a couple of guys who might play for defensive purposes in the eighth or ninth inning. This is actually a, a fully functional bench. I agree. You know, and, that, and that's the thing about the offseason. I, I think they improved. Like the, the back 35% of the roster is upgraded from a year ago. And, uh, and and the thing, too, I just think the pitching staff from top to bottom is, is a sizable upgrade from last year. You look at the guys that were in the in the, in the the bullpen at the beginning of the year, Joe Smith, Joan Romero, Tyler Duffy, uh, those guys on the round. You got Griffin Jacks, who's touched ninety six now. You got or you got Pablo Lopez for a whole season. Uh, you got Akala, who's back. You know, Emilio Pagan has gone from being a guy who you needed to close out games to a guy you need to get through the sixth inning. You know, and that tells you that uh, how they built out the depth on this roster, especially the pitcher staff, but definitely that everyday lineup too. And uh, that's going to give Rocco the ability to make moves and to keep people fresh. Good stuff, guys. This is gonna be, I think this is going to be a really fun season. I mean, we always have a good time in the show, but I think we're going to have a lot of fun, fast-paced baseball to watch. I think this is going to be a good team. Uh, hey, thanks for the contributions today. Thanks to everyone who listens. Once again, thank you to Aquarius Home Services Studio. And, excuse me, Aquarius Home Services and our producer, Brandon Morton. Uh, check out TalkNorth.com for all of our other shows. <laughs>